Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, hi, everyone. How are you doing today? I'm so thankful you're here. If you're here in person, online, all those things, we love you. We're so, so glad. Well, before I jump into the sermon today, I thought I would just pause for just a moment and acknowledge the events in Washington, D.C. this week and um, and just all the fallout since then. And uh, I don't, just so you know, I don't feel like I have any hot take on this thing or any perfect words to share our uh, perspective that is going to make everything make sense in our world because uh, I don't, and I'm sure you don't either. Uh, I, I, I know that um, there's one thing I'm confident in, and it's that we have a broken world that um, the only hope that a person can ever find is found in Jesus Christ alone. And I really believe that more now than ever. And I, I know that all the other people, all other causes, all other political regimes and political parties, they will all fail, but there will be one thing that won't fail, and that is the love and power of Jesus Christ. That that's the only thing that's not going to fail in this world, and we can trust in it. And I'm not trying to just, you know, just say these things to, to conjure up, you know, any sort of um, just sort of coerced energy around the name of Jesus, but I just really feel like the people of God need to really, really consider what is the hope we are clinging to right now. Um, anyway, I know Wednesday was a terrible thing. It was incredibly sad, hard to watch, hard to understand why. And so I just want to pray for us as the, as the people of God uh, in this church and, of course, around the world, but uh, in our nation. Three things that I want to pray for today. I want to pray for um, our it's this unrelenting commitment, if you will, to stay true to the gospel, that we won't allow it to be twisted or skewed because that is really being attempted in our culture today, that we are submitting to the ways of Jesus and what the gospel says. So that's number one. Second, that we fill our lives with love. First and foremost, for our love for God, that we fill our lives up with that. Secondly, our love for our neighbors and other people. And Jesus even goes as far as to say to love our enemies. And so we're gonna ask God to fill us with his love. And then, of course, uh, thirdly, that we would trust God in all things, that we're just going to pray a prayer that, we, Lord, we trust you. And so I don't mean to make this super heavy or anything like that, but I just feel like as the body of Christ, we have to acknowledge what's going on in the world at times. We have to continue to contend in prayer that God is the hope and that Jesus is the thing that won't fail us. And so we trust in that. And so uh, together as his people, we pray today. Amen. So let's pray together. Father, we pray that as we just take a moment, we want to come to you with humble hearts. Father, in our world, it seems like there are things that are beyond repair when we look at political, social, racial, economic, and all sorts of other divides that have always existed but are more visible now than they've ever been, and it feels like it's at a boiling point in some respects. And So we pray for your people. We pray that your people would remain true to the gospel, protect your people from the influences that try to deceive and and lead us astray. And so, Lord, we just pray that instead you renew your people in love for you and for people. Fill us with your love, Father. We pray healing over our nation, healing of COVID, healing of broken divides, and a release of spiritual healing for those who are lost without you right now, Father. We pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. All right.
Well, are you all ready to turn the page and get into week two of Renewal? Yes? All right. Everyone say Renewal. I feel like this week is actually a really good week considering what we just prayed for and what's going on. And so I want to, uh, today's message is called, What is Renewal? And I just feel like it's important that we get on the same page about what renewal is if we're going to be kind of leaning into it for this next month. And I'm specifically leading us in a discussion about a type of renewal that reflects something like ocean tides coming in and out, like we talked last week, that there are times of retreating and times where we see great gain. And we know that there is types of tides around the world that, you know, we see an increase in water that's at an an amazing level. So as we begin 2021, our hope is for the tide to return in a dramatic scene of God's power and his love and his presence. Amen. That's what we're praying for. And so another way to describe this idea of a surge of his presence and power and love is to talk about the term tipping point. Uh, You know, in business, a tipping point is the moment things break through and what previously felt like grind all of a sudden becomes an acceleration of what you're doing and things begin to roll downhill, right? We, we're kind of aware of it in, like in a, in a business sense where all of a sudden, if you're graphing it, things are kind of steady and then there's an up and to the right surge, right? Where you have a lot more sales, you have a lot more exposure, whatever it is that your business is trying to, to accomplish, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's going gangbusters, right? And so we see this happen and we've seen this sort of trajectory happen in business all the time. We have books written about them. We see Netflix as a really strong company and then all of a sudden they're a billion dollar company, right? There's a tipping point. In 2020, we saw this happen with Zoom. How many of you guys are like in the eternal Zoom meeting? You know what I'm talking about? And so we understand that Zoom, you know, Zoom has been around since 2013. 2013, but in 2020, in March 2020, there were more downloads in one day of Zoom than there were, there were registered users in 2019. There's a, there's a point of it that things tip. And typically, clearly, they tip for many reasons. But there's always change involved. A change in circumstances or a change in branding or advertising in business or a change in practice or in leadership. And when it comes to this idea of spiritual renewal, and even when we look at it from a more historic perspective, meaning looking back to periods in which there was seasons and periods of renewal that occurred among God's people, we find in church history that when God, when God renews his people of heart, mind, soul, and strength, it is often preceded by a crisis. That a crisis creates an opportunity and a gateway for change to occur. So if you rewind with the clock, obviously, well, even if we think about today, real quickly, obviously we can see the, the, the breakthrough and the tipping point for Zoom, right? There was the pandemic, the coronavirus crisis that created a gateway for Zoom to tip forward. And in a similar way, spiritual renewal has kind of had the same trajectory many times in life. We rewind the clock, we go back to after World War II, there's a global crisis of war, it's affected everybody, there's this huge crisis. And of course, after that, some of the highest Christian engagement in our history happened in the 1940s and 50s as people came back and returned to the Lord. We saw this happen not after World War II, but after Vietnam War, there was in the 1970s, a spiritual renewal and a revival led by what was known as the Jesus people, where there was a whole bunch of renewal and return to the church during the 1970s. 
70s. We even saw it after 9-11, didn't we? Where 9-11 happens, there's this crisis, and then there's this return of the God's people to the church and to the commitment they made to Christ. I would say the 9-11 one is a little less significant than the other two, but that's just recent history. And if we keep going back in history, we see this renewal pattern consistently happen, where there's a gateway for change that is created, and it's often created through crisis. In many ways, as people, we, we understand this because um, when these changes take place, they take on sort of a contagious nature. And in 2021, we know all about things that are contagious, don't we? They actually, they actually take on sort of the, the nature of like an epidemic or a pandemic. They really do. For, for example, we, we know that one day things are going along like normal and what was a small flame becomes a raging fire. Some things catch on and there's a contagious nature to them. And in many ways, as people, as people, we follow the same sort of rules as epidemics and pandemics. Meaning, you think about trends in life. You think about fashion trends when all of a sudden, like, Doc Martens were cool, then they weren't cool, then now they're cool again. What's up that? What's up with that? Fanny packs, all of a sudden they're cool. What? And you scratch your head about how these trends happen. A few years ago, every kid in the world had a fidget spinner. Why? They're pointless. They're dumb. But every kid had one. Because we follow the trends of things like epidemics and pandemics, and that things that the, some things become contagious. Are you with me? Maybe a better example of contagious nature is when we think about the psychological kind of anomaly of yawning. Yawning is a powerful act, isn't it? Just because I say the word yawning, some of you are going to start thinking about yawning, right? You're going to start feeling like I need to yawn. Or perhaps if you see someone across the room yawn, or maybe you see something on a screen in a church and a group of people that begin to yawn, you may begin to yawn. You may feel this sudden urge inside of you that I don't know why I need to yawn, because yawning says something to all of us. No one should yawn alone. You know what I mean? Yawning, yawning says we're all tired. We're all in this together. And even as I was thinking about this idea, and I kept writing the word yawning while I was preparing this message, I was wanting to yawn. And I did yawn many, many times in preparation for this message, which says something about this message. And so I was a little bit wondering if this would create some sort of... Yawning is even a weird word. Everyone say yawn. It's just a weird word, but here's the thing. The more we see it, the more we say it, the more we think about it. Quick question. Anyone in here yawning at the moment? Or have you yawned yet? Some of you, what's wrong? I mean, what are you saying about this message, right? I'm up here trying and you're sitting there yawning. I'm just kidding. Um, where am I going with this? I believe the church, I believe the church is approaching a tipping point. The type of tipping point that has the contagious potential to spread among God's people and even out into secular culture. This feels possible because of a gateway of change that has been created. And through this shared crisis that we've had, God may be doing something that we need to start paying attention to. So are you guys following me yet? There's a contagious nature to things like renewal. Now, I say this and I realize that many people, and when I say people, maybe not in this room, but around the world, disagree with this notion that I'm suggesting. They believe that the church and faith in God in general is dying around the world, and they believe that there's an inevitable end coming in the future. Perhaps it could seem that way, but it could also just mean that the tide is out. 
<laughs> you see, I choose to believe in a renewal perspective, meaning that God, God is up to something and he is actually going to continue to do that work and he is coming back and he is gonna renew things. Now, a renewal perspective is different than a chicken little perspective. And a chicken little perspective is, oh no, the sky is falling. Oh no, the sky is falling. Ah, you know what I'm talking about? That perspective where whenever you look at the world, you see an inevitable decline of say the church until it's completely dead. And so from now until the apocalypse, things are just gonna continue to get worse. You see, you, anybody know a chicken little perspective? Don't look at them now, that'd be awkward. See, perhaps that's not the way it works. Maybe it's not just a steady decline until we're done, until Jesus returns. Maybe there's works and seasons and periods of renewal where God wants to refresh and renew his people because guess what? God's mission is to renew all things. So living and seeing the world through a renewal perspective understands that there are periods of decline and retreat, but it sees it as a period of which the tide is out. And when you're in a renewal perspective, you always believe that the tide is coming back. For the last few years, there have been, you know, a lot of writers, a lot of thinkers, um, theologians pointing to today's culture, this moment that we're in, and identifying this gateway of renewal as a potential time for God's people to see God do a great thing. And this top possible tipping point, if you will, isn't just because of a pandemic crisis, but our culture is at, a, is at an identity crisis too. Meaning, what is our ultimate source of human purpose? And if you are paying attention to the cultural trends and all the things that are going on in the world today, we're at a crisis point for many reasons. All right, so I'm gonna to get to Mark 14. We're gonna to get to the Bible today. <laughs> um, but first, I want to, I want, uh, there's Mark 14, the story of Mary, by the way, just amazing. We're gonna be spending this whole month in it, but I wanna um, define renewal. You know, I said today is, you know, what is renewal? So here's the dictionary definition of renewal. You may have seen this definition in your renewal journal. It's on this page two of it, but um, I'll just put it on the screen. Renewal, this is the three, three kind of uh, working definitions of renewal in the dictionary. Uh, an instance of resuming an activity or state after an interruption. Hmm. Okay. Number two, the replacing or repair of something that is worn out, run down, or broken. Hmm. I didn't write it. Number three, this is among Christians mostly. The state or process of being made spiritually new in the Holy Spirit. So a few weeks ago when I read this definition, I immediately was like, oh my gosh, like, what does renewal look like in that context? What do I need to resume? What needs repair to me? What do I want to be made spiritually made new in, right? And so this, those thoughts started kind of rolling in my heart. And so many of us have regrettably left behind important things in our spiritual life. You know, I started to think about things that I used to do in my faith journey or in my spiritual practice that I've sort of stopped doing for whatever reason. Maybe it was years ago I stopped, or maybe it was last year I stopped, and I was just thinking about all the things that needed to be resumed in me. When I started thinking about uh, even relationships in my life and mentors and people that were important to me that I've allowed to go dormant and distant because I've become too busy or whatever it may be, and I realized all the things that I've left behind that God wants to renew and resume in me. And when I think about the brokenness that so many of us carry, we carry brokenness in all different shapes and forms, whether it's relational brokenness, or maybe it's some sort of emotional health brokenness and pain brokenness, or maybe it's even a faith brokenness. I know that so many of us need spiritual healing. 
in our life. And I think about how some of us just need to get back up and try again. That God is saying like, hey, you're not broken. I have something better for you. Let's get up and go again. And I know when I think about this that there's a process for a lot of us that we got to be stepping into to be made spiritually new. And the first part of that process is, of course, that there's an old self, and God wants to create a new self in us, and that only happens by repentance of our sins, confession that we are a sinner only made clean by the grace of Jesus, and beyond that, that there's a process of renewal that happens once we've confessed Jesus as Christ to say, Lord, will you daily renew me, make me new every day? And I just think about all the things that need to be resumed, repaired, and made new right now. We're going to return to these three definitions in a moment, but I want to show you one more thing that I believe will really help define what renewal is. I want to introduce you to a visual image called a a renewal process and what this looks like. And this process was created by a guy named Mark Sayers in his great book called Reappearing Church. And I've kind of just modified it a little bit for our context today, but you'll see at at the top of this that there is this decline that's identified. And there's a noticeable decline that's experienced. For example, many people look at the church today and say it's in decline, right? And, and, and statistically in the Western context, in the Western church and American church and Western cultures, it is in decline. And statistically, we, we can say that that's, that's true. But decline also can be represented in the individual, in you and me, in which we see a decline in maybe our spiritual energy or engagement, or perhaps we see a decline in... Uh, just our ability to connect with the Lord. And so there's a distance and an emptiness or higher levels of anxiety and a lack of peace or, or whatever it is. And we'll last a, a less spiritual fruit in our life, et cetera, et cetera. There's a decline, right? And then there's a gateway moment. And this can be created by cultural crisis. This can be created by a global pandemic, but this could also be created by a personal crisis, right? It could be created by something that happens in your life or my life. It could be happened by waking up one day and say, enough is enough. I have a come to Jesus moment. I'm going to get my life right. I'm no longer going to do what I was doing then. I'm going to change. And there's a crisis moment, a gateway for change moment. And this is where holy discontent rises up in the person. And this can be in an individual state or in a communal sense, even uh, across a group of people, right, where Sayers describes it as this, as a deep deep dissatisfaction with the state of our faith, the church, and culture, that we would have a deep dissatisfaction, and our desire grows to align with God's heart for renewal. So holy discontent is not an angry discontent. It's not pointing the finger at all the things that are wrong with that group or that group or them or or her or him or whatever. This isn't a violent... um, uh, if you will, discontent. This isn't a mob mentality. This isn't also criticizing the church and all Christians and saying how they've got all these shortcomings. We all know all that. No, instead, this is a cry out to God that says, only you can fix this, God. And I'm coming to you, not pointing the fingers at anybody else, but I'm asking you to be our hope. And renewal starts in our heart. And then, guess what? Things begin to tip at this point. Holy discontent is followed by preparation. This in many ways is where our heart truly aligns with God's heart for us. We aren't fighting against God. We aren't trying to get our way. We aren't trying to even, remember when I said we want to align ourselves with the gospel. This isn't us. This is not people trying to pick and choose how we follow Jesus. It's a simple surrender, confessing, I'm a sinner. 
confessing we need renewal, confessing that we don't have it all together, confessing that I haven't even fully surrendered. This preparation is best described as a time of humbling ourselves, confessing and repenting. You remember what it says at the beginning of 2 Chronicles 7.14? He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray and seek my face, and will turn from their sin, I will hear them from heaven. And I will heal, the, and I will heal their land. Preparation is followed by contending. This is a shift in our lives from consuming and passivity to one of contending. That was a really strong line, by the way. Our shift in our lives from being a consumer and one who's passive to one who's contending. God's presence, we want to contend for it to come in power. This is most outwardly displayed in contending in prayer. And we use that here a lot. We talk about how we, how, you know, that we need to pray and we need to contend in prayer for God to bring about his, his power, his renewal, his revival. And so we say everything begins and ends with prayer. Contending is followed by holy patterns. This is ordering our life around the formation practices that keep us rooted in the ways of Jesus. We talked a lot about this over the last number of months no longer formed by the patterns of this world, but transformed by the renewal of our mind. Are you all with me? And so we start to take on holy patterns and we start to take on the practices of Jesus, which are most notably displayed in spiritual disciplines like prayer and worship and, and reading scripture and, and community and, and, and coming together in corporate gatherings like this. And, and, and what it means is on the tip of our brain when we wake up in the morning is Jesus, because he's what sets our patterns and our ways. He's our rhythm and our practice. It's Jesus. He shapes everything about who we are because he changes everything about everything. And so Jesus then becomes truly Lord of our life through the practice and patterns that we live in. Are you all taking notes? Because yeah. <laughs> this is really good stuff, and I can say that because I didn't make it up. It all begins with a holy discontent, though. You have to want it. You have to be hungry for it. Because if you aren't, pre preparation, contending, holy patterns, they all become dry and empty because you don't have any want to and discontent driving you. And so maybe you need to pray for a discontent. Through this process, you get to the bottom of this image and you see renewal occurs. Now I just want to read a little bit about renewal from what Mark Sayers says about it. And I'll just put this quote on the screen. It says, as God moves... New life flows into the person or the people of God. New vitality breaks out. The person or people walk with God in his presence, empowered by him. What was excruciatingly slow and challenging before is now accelerated as ministry is powered not by human effort, but by his, say it with me, presence. Renewal goes viral. It's contagious. This is revival right here at work. Spreading across churches, regions, cities, and countries. Ground is taken for the gospel, and positive change builds a new foundation. Who, who, this, is, this is what the world needs. Positive change builds a new foundation of health and kingdom fruit. Can I get an amen to that? So I need to take a breath. I've just said a lot to you, right? This is a lot to take in in one day, but... Even though we just outlined what we've called a renewal process, 
I have to just pause and say, listen, there is no program, there is no strategy that brings about renewal. It is not a one, two, three-step thing. It isn't. What it is instead is something that we can learn from the stories and the patterns of our history. And we can look and see, oh, this is how God moved then. There was a crisis. There were people that aligned themselves. And we can do our best to align ourselves with those patterns and in, those, in that heart to see God bring about renewal. God has something new coming. And so we align ourselves with that hope and with those practices. So how do we prepare and posture ourselves to see such a thing? Because I think that's the question. If we can't, if it's not a program, if it's not, if it's not a strategy, well then what do we do to prepare and posture ourselves for a renewal process to occur within us? I'm glad you asked. This brings us to Mark chapter 14. Last Sunday, we began looking at the story about Mary of Bethany and how she came and she broke open this alabaster jar of perfume and poured it all over Jesus. Just an unbelievable story. Um, and we're slowing down and taking our time with it. And so I want to encourage you to go ahead and open back up to Mark chapter 14, or it'll be on screen, of course. Um, I'm just going to read a part of that story again to kind of get us back into it. Starting in verse 3. While he, meaning Jesus, while he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on Jesus' head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Verse 6, leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Again, this picture is incredibly powerful. For, for, honestly, for so many reasons. But Mary acted out of love and passion. Mary actually gave to Jesus when so many of us are looking for Jesus to give to us. She gave to Jesus her most prized and valuable possession and poured it out as an offering to him, saying, I'm going to honor you, Jesus, with all I am and all I have right now in this moment. And this is what she does. Now, we don't know a lot about Mary Bethany. We just know that she's really inspiring in this story. And there's one more story about Mary, though, this particular Mary. So we find this story that's recorded in Mark 14, also in John chapter 12 and Matthew 26 when you're going through the Gospels. But then there is a story in Luke chapter 10 that is also about Mary. And I want to read this to us because this is on a different day in a different circumstance, and we see something else happen that's quite amazing. Luke 10, verse uh, 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called, everyone say it with me, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. So again, in this story, there's a lot to unpack. We won't unpack it all today, but we'll just talk to a couple points in this story. It's 
It's a phenomenal story. Martha and Mary clearly are thinking about different things. It says that Martha was distracted. And in verse 40, it says that when she says distracted, the Greek word for that was perispao. Everyone say perispao. This is one of my favorite Greek words because the way it's defined is to be pulled or dragged away, overburdened, preoccupied, torn in a different direction. Let me say that again. The word means to be pulled away, dragged away, overburdened, preoccupied, torn in a different direction. Martha was distracted. She was perispao. She was distracted when she was in the presence of Jesus. She was overburdened, preoccupied. And on top of that, Martha doesn't think she's doing anything wrong. She feels like she's doing the right thing and so much so that she calls out to the Lord and says, can you believe what Mary is doing? Will you tell her to get over and help me be more distracted? <laughs> if, this is, if this illustration is not a perfect picture of our world today, I don't know what is. When we are in the presence of God, We don't even realize it. In one story, in Mark 14, you have these disciples who are outraged at Mary's extravagant, passionate act of devotion. In another story, Mary's sister Martha is fed up with her devotion. Think about that. In both stories, look at what Jesus says. To the disciples, he says, leave her alone. What she's done is a beautiful thing. Look at what she said, he says to Martha. He says, listen, Martha, Martha. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. I think Jesus is like, hey, the rest of you need to be like Mary. Mary was his people. <laughs> you see, Martha was busy trying to do stuff for the Lord, prepare the meal. She was trying to do things under her own power. She was trying to make it happen, but she forgot something critical. She forgot that she was in the presence of Jesus, but Mary never forgot that. You see, there are times for work and effort and mission, and there are times for reading the room. Mary read the room, understanding the moment she was in. We have to understand the moment we are in and the power of the Lord that's in front of us. Martha was concerned with her performance before the Lord. The disciples were concerned with their performance before the Lord. Lord, we could have sold that perfume and made a bunch of money to give to the poor. They were concerned that they were impressing the Lord with their performance. Mary wasn't concerned with her performance before the Lord. She was only concerned with her position before him. Think about where she was in verse 39. It says that she was at the feet of Jesus. This picture, just imagine it in your, in your mind, Mary at the feet of Jesus. And in one picture, we can, we can see this renewal process at work in which there is a holy discontent that must have resided in Mary. And that was leading to a work of preparation and contending and holy patterns within her that was gonna renew her heart, mind, soul, and strength. You know, that's a lot to assume, but I believe that's the picture I get. So how do we prepare and posture ourselves for renewal to take place in our life? 
I would say it this way. I think it's time for us to read the room. To, to look at our culture and the world around us and to realize there has to be a holy discontent rise up within us, that there is a gateway for change at the doorstep. And it's gonna, it's gonna require the people of God contending in prayer. It's gonna require the people of God preparing, contending, taking on the holy patterns of the Lord and saying, you know what, we are going to go. We're gonna, we're gonna make this thing tip and there's gonna be a contagious nature to it, a work of renewal in our world. And I would say, regardless of how you feel about what I've said today about yawning or about renewal definitions or processes, regardless if you care about church history or regardless if you care about tr cultural trends or regardless if you care about, you know, contagions, regardless of all of that, Mary's example shows us that it pleases Jesus to come to him undistracted by activity and performance and the expectations of others. Mary shows us that when priority and posture of Christ alone is, and, and our surrender to Christ is number one in our life, it shows us that Jesus will come to our defense, to all the naysayers. He'll protect us from them, for those who don't really get it. What did he say to those who came against Mary? He protected her. And so today, I, I just wanna pray over us in just a moment if you don't already possess a holy discontent in your life, that, that, that there's a conviction that begins to grow in you, that there's a dissatisfaction with the way things are in such a way that it's not critical, it's not angry, it's not violent, but it's one that says, God, I surrender all to you. I humble myself before you. I can't do this without you. So let's close. I want to return to these three thoughts of resume, repair, make new. And I'll put them on the screen in question form for us today. It's a way to close this. But what do you need to resume in your life? Remember, resuming an activity after a state of interruption. Or number two, do you need God to repair something? Replacing a repair of something that is worn out, run down, and broken. What new process or posture do you need to begin? I want to leave those questions for you to write down, take a picture of whatever you need to do. But I feel like those questions help us begin to think, and I feel, I feel like Mary's example helps us begin to do. And I feel like the world around us will give each of us a holy discontent worthy of a tipping point. So I just, uh, just want to call us to prayer. So would you just bow your heads? Father, we come to you and we ask your Holy Spirit to come, to come in power, for your presence to be made real to many of us today that maybe haven't felt it in a while. We just invite your presence right now. Would you just do that on your own even? Say, Lord, I invite your presence in my heart. For the renewal process to begin, Lord, there's this picture of a gateway for change. I just pray that that is opening up in our heart all across the room today. Lord, we pray for more of your presence and power. We pray for more of the good things that you want to give us. That, Lord, um, 
we know, we know that you're coming in power and that your heart is renewal. And so we pray for that in your people. We pray for every person here or watching or listening. Would you surround them right now in this moment? And would you fuel their heart with a holy discontent in their soul that is different than maybe the feelings we've had thus far? But it's a holy discontent that somehow has a peace that transcends all understanding, somehow has a love that abounds, that it's a holy discontent that is surrendered and humble in heart. Let me ask you, just listen to these questions. What do you need to resume? What do you need to resume? Does God need to repair something in you? process or posture do you need to begin to be made spiritually new? Well, today I want to invite you to prayer. Just keep your heads bowed. I just want to say an encouragement to you. In a moment, we are going to dismiss, and I want to invite anyone who wants today to mark a moment of surrender and desired change and a hope for renewal in your life, I want you to somehow allow this day to be a marker for you. A moment that says, I want to experience a tipping point in my life. If that's where you are, I want to invite you to prayer today. And, and, and I mean prayer with someone else. Praying with someone is taking a step of faith into into community. I don't believe faith was ever intended to be an individual pursuit, but one that God created community for. And so everything can't be done on your own. God wants united prayer among his people. And so today, if you want to mark your desire, I'm not forcing you to do anything, but I'm encouraging you to consider coming forward and praying today as we dismiss. I'll be over here, there'll be others over here. Maybe there'll be a line and you can just wait and take your time. And no distraction, no perispao today. We're not going to be preoccupied, torn in a different direction. We're going to sit at the, in the presence of Jesus at his feet and allow him to do the work that he wants to do. Because there really, is there anything else? that not everybody will do this, but I do encourage you to just consider where you're at in your life. Perhaps one of these questions hits you in a specific way today, resuming, repairing, being made spiritually new. Perhaps tipping point, perhaps gateway for change. There's a lot of words that were said today. Perhaps this picture of Mary and her love and devotion for Christ spurring your heart on discontent is brewing within you. Father, we just uh, we surrender to you and we want it to be with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul and with all of our strength. We can't say enough about you. You are worthy of all that we are and all that we have. We pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen.
Well, friends, as you get ready to leave, um, again, we'll be down here praying. If you're new here, thanks so much for coming today. We'd love to meet you. We have a table out in the lobby that says information. Go say hello there. If you want to give, we, of course, have our ways to give here. And then all the renewal reminders. We have our journals out there. You know, they said two very important things earlier about next step in baptism. You have that card. I really encourage you to consider that. Drop those cards in at the joy box or there's a, there's a basket on the table out there with more signups for baptism and next step. You can always drop that in right there as well. But we'd love to get that card today. We'll follow up with you this week. We love you guys. If you need anything, we're down here praying. So join us in prayer. And uh, let's just allow God to continue to do the work that he wants to do. Grace and peace. See ya. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.